Welcome to the Spurs News Podcast, your home for all things Spurs. And now, let's join our hosts. Delighted to say I'm joined today by Harry Brooks. Uh, Harry is a, well, professional football coach, but I'm not going to jump in and say more than that i'm gonna let you introduce yourself hello harry hello mate thank you for having me on yeah you're welcome um well basically uh this is spurs news podcast um tell the good people what, what you do my friend so yep yeah, i'm a professional football coach um i'm very lucky to work with professional football players as well as academy players yeah. in the uk and europe my main job is I'm a coach and analyst at an independent football academy called Round World Academy. We look to bridge the gap between grassroots football and professional football. So we push around six to eight players a year into professional clubs and we regularly play games against professional academies in you know, one-off games and um, tournament invites. Yeah. So in recent years, we've played the likes of Bayern Munich, Liverpool, Man United. So... You know, some really good fixtures. Yeah. Um, so I work for Round World um, Academy. And then aside from that, myself and the director called Richard Webster, we have another project going called Round World Royals. And that's where we, you know, look after and coach and, you know, do analysis for more established players. Um, yeah. You know, young academy players and young professionals trying to help them, you know, break into the professional game certainly keeps me busy <laughs> well yeah i bet it does um ju- just to sort of ask a couple of questions on that if you don't mind um you-, you mentioned obviously the independent academy so is that kind of like set up for players that have perhaps been released by clubs etc and have perhaps fallen into the gaps it can be to be honest we do get a lot of players that come along that have been released we also get players that come along that are still at the professional clubs to do extra training to be honest oh, okay it's more just a platform, as we said, to bridge the gap. So it could be for players that, you know, haven't been in the system yet and are looking to get into the system. It could yeah. even just be for players that want to be as best as they can. You know, for yeah. us, a success story is as much as, let's say, a player, you know, comes to us and they gets into the school team. That's just yeah. as much of a success story as someone that goes on and plays for Tottenham Hotspur, etc. So, yeah. you know, as long as you are passionate about football, and you're hardworking and dedicated and, you know, you can cope with the intensity because we are quite an intense, we're fun, but we are quite an intense environment. As long as you can cope with those things and enjoy it, then, you know, you're more than welcome to come along. Okay, nice, no, brilliant. And and you said uh, the company's called Worldwide. Are you, are you based primarily round, in round, England? Round, sorry, that was my, uh, sorry, Round World, Round World Academy. Oh, apologies. That's, that's... that's okay. That, that that's me mishearing it's my, my bristolian ears um yeah but, uh, okay mate uh, but obviously uh, i'm guessing based in london is that right so we're generally based in north london we do yeah. travel around we the director is setting up a branch or has sort of set up a branch in miami so he's been wow. yeah. back and forth to miami quite a while now for you know over a year obviously yeah. things have been put on a bit of a hold there <laughs> but, well uh, everywhere now, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, but um, no, we are generally based in North London. That's our main branch, but we do sort of, you know, go elsewhere. We, you know, train quite a lot of one-to-one clients in Essex, etc. You know, that's a big yeah. part of what we do as well, one-to-one training. So, yeah, most of our base is in North London. Well, speaking of the one-to-one training, uh, mm. and I, I know you put this on your Twitter account, so I hope you're able to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, I did notice you worked with Steve Bergwijn after he joined the club. Is that right? Yep, yep. I can't profess to have trained him, if I'm being honest. So yep. basically, the Royals, we are basically a team. So myself yep. and Richard, we provide, we're basically the directors of the Royals. Mm. And we provide the on-pitch work for the football players. Yeah. But then we also, you know, players also need other stuff. So they need strength and conditioning. They yep. need nutrition. So the strength and conditioning um, coach is called Ronnie Chowie. He's from Holland. And yeah. he's been Stephen's trainer for a while now. So when Stephen joined Tottenham, we obviously put two and two together, got Ryan yeah. over. He trained him. So we worked with him. Um, we were going to hopefully do pitch time. Obviously, that's put a delay to things with the, uh, yeah. with this virus, but that will hopefully happen soon enough. But no, yeah, we're very lucky to work with him. Can't profess to have trained him yet, but you know no. that will happen, we're sure. 
Oh no, well that's great. I mean, just just out of interest, then, because it's kind of uh, and and me completely on the outside of this. We have a player uh, like Steve, obviously contracted the Spurs. Uh, he's being coached by Spurs, etc. Uh, does he have to get permission to work with people outside of the club, or or do the club perhaps approach you and say we have this player? He needs to do extra sessions. How how does it work? Not really, to be honest. They The players take it upon themselves now. I think a lot of people would be surprised how many players go and do extra work on the outside, professional and yeah. academy players. A lot of people think that surely the professional clubs will provide everything they yeah. need, and that's not always the case. Yeah, you know, well, also, the, yeah, go on. Yeah, sorry, I was just going to say, also a lot of people have a very uh, dim view of professionals in terms of they earn a lot of money they arrive yeah. they kick a ball about for an hour mm. and then they leave in their flash car obviously yeah you see it very differently <laughs> yeah i do yeah i think a lot is yeah. yes it's a great life obviously but yeah. the amount of dedication that it's taken for players to get to that level is is incredible so yeah. no they they get a lot of credit from my point of view with regards to that but yeah. you know the lot of them and do they a lot of people think that as you said, that, you know, they get their money and they're happy, but most players do genuinely care about how successful they are. Yeah. And they know they have to maintain their performance levels or constantly better it. You know, you're always having to fight someone off to take your place, to get a new contract, to stay in the team. So a lot of players appreciate they have to do more work on the outside because there isn't always the time with professional clubs no. to give them the individual training they need. You know, a lot of the training they do um you know look at spurs for example they'll play you know around a lot of the time three games a week during yeah. the season so a yeah. lot of their training will be involved on match preparation yeah, recovery match yeah. team training so when's the time for the club to do the extra work well they could, the players have to take it upon themselves to do it so yeah. you know a lot of players do extra work on the outside and i think a lot of people will be surprised by how many just do it well, that's kind of great to hear, though. Um, but but as, as you're saying it, it you, you're kind of realising just how logical it is. It's something you don't really think about. But like you just said then, if you're a player at a professional club like Tottenham, you, you're playing a game Saturday, Wednesday, and then Saturday again, your whole time in training surely just going to be focused on the game preparation, you know, preparing for the match, mm. uh, tactical, formation, etc., and and what you're going to be doing in the game. If, for example, you're a player who's decided, right, you know, my left foot, isn't what it needs to be on a right foot player but i need to improve i'm guessing that's the sort of thing they're going to come to you it's like okay i need to work on this this is the area i need to work and then you'll do like focus sessions am, am i understanding that right yeah that's the idea so we are we do provide very specific training it yeah. is based on what a player requires obviously as the player gets older you're kind they kind of get siphoned more and more into really specific things in terms of what they need. Yeah. So, you know, if, you, if you're doing a one-to-one -one training with, you know, say a six-year-old, yeah. at that age, they're so moldable. They have so much time to improve yeah. their all-round game. So you can work on a load of different things. As you get older and older, you actually sort of, you know, push away some of the things that players have or, yeah. you know, some attributes because they just, they're not needed or they're, back to the list of what's needed and you don't have that time to yeah. work on everything so you're really really specific as the player gets older especially professional with what they need and what they work on and a lot of it will just be sort of maintaining levels and conditioning but you know every player well most players you know have got aspects they need to work on especially yeah. nowadays i think i think there's a lot less of the player that's individually complete um I think yeah you see a lot of players now that you know, reach a high level of football because they're really good at specific things. And I think football nowadays is quite a, you know, it's quite a, um, trying to think the right way to say it. It's a sport yeah. that I think that, you know, is nowadays less about the individual and yeah. more tactically inclined. So yeah. a lot of it nowadays is players that fill roles. So yeah. you can have a player nowadays that might be less, you know, individually complete or let's say, you know, for want of a better phrase, not as good as a player in previous generations, but because they fill a role in today's yeah. team, then they reach a high level of football. But that means that they still have those, you know, standout weaknesses that they need to work on, but they've been sort of allowed to be get away with it because they fill yeah. a really specific role in the team. I think years and years ago, you'd have to be more of a all-round general, you know, football player. Um, yeah. 
certainly more so than today. Um, so yeah. there's a lot of players now that are playing high level of football that actually have quite glaring weaknesses. Um, <laughs> the general standard of football hasn't gone up, but that is certainly a thing I think I've noticed from, from so, modern game football. It's interesting you should say that because it's something, um, I mean, I, I follow you on Twitter and mm. it's something I've seen you, you say a few times about different things and also uh, about players. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm 37. There's certain players I've seen you talk about on, on Twitter, etc. that were just so incredible. You know, they could do things. Ronaldinho, players like that who were just, you know, they could do something with a ball and just change a game in a second, you know. And, and players like that do seem to be almost discouraged now a little bit. Um, but but something that you were just saying then is interesting to me. You were talking about uh, players with sort of like a almost a limited, and, and I don't want to sort of throw names out there to to try and discredit any players now. But what what struck me interesting about what you just said is how many players I've seen work under a certain manager and look phenomenal, you know, in a team in a certain setup in a certain tactic, but then when they move, they're not the same player. You know, yeah. like a different manager takes them. There's a different tactic. And you look at it and go, hang on a minute. You know, this, this is, they, they look out of their depth now. They look completely out of their element. Do you, do you think that comes back to perhaps a limited skill set for the player, but looked great because of a certain tactic, a certain way of playing? But then when they were asked to basically expand upon that, that's when they, you know, they're, they're sort of found out a bit. I think so. And I think a lot of that starts from a really young age. I yeah. think a lot of nowadays, especially if you look at academy football in England and the UK, I'm not knocking it. There's some phenomenal coaches out there. There's some phenomenal setups yeah. out there. But a lot of academy football nowadays, professional at professional clubs, is I think almost overcoached in the sense it's about the coach. So players yeah. are being taught to play in a system, and you know you must play like this no matter what, and that can turn a player into being quite a robot. Yeah. And really specific to that system. So <clears throat> all of a sudden, you're having a player that struggles to think for themselves and they've been one particular style yeah. or you know system. And when it gets to professional level, that's not realistic. You know, Players have to be able to adapt to different yeah. coaches, different systems, different players, different teams. Um, so yeah, I think you're right. I think that when actually, if you get a player that's, you know, performing under a certain system because most players are system players nowadays yeah when they leave the club or there's a new manager etc a lot of them can struggle because they've been so ingrained into that style of football and yeah. only that style of football or you know not many de deviations away from that then they can struggle so mm. i think there's less nowadays of the you know a footballer being built that's more of a not an individual. You have. To, I think you can do both, and I think. Yeah. I think the. I think, yes, you do need the structural training. You need to learn how to play in systems and tactics and how to play mm. certain way, etc. But I think you can do, you know, allow a player to be an individual and make individual decisions within that system. I think you can do both, and a lot of nowadays, I think you're seeing a lot of players that can struggle to adapt. So I completely agree. Yeah, you're right there. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I mean, you, you see it quite a lot in. Uh, I mean, it's in the Premier League. I mean. Uh, you watch the Premier League teams. I mean, the, the example I'm thinking of, and again, I, I don't want to throw players under the bus on this, but the example I'm thinking of was actually Pochettino's team with Southampton. If mm. you looked at that Southampton team he had there, that, that season, they, they were all looking like, you know, champions, if you see what I mean. Like every single player mm. in that team. And, and the player that stands out in my mind was Morgan Schneiderlin, mm. who, who just looked like the world's best defensive midfielder that had ever <laughs> yeah. been created. Yeah. But the minute, but the minute he made that move, and you know there was more asked of him, etc., he's never looked the same player again. Um, yeah, and and it's just very, you know, like you were saying, it's just very interesting to me. And because, of course, the other aspect is, it, or at least the narrative that was pushed is, ah, when he went to a bigger club, he couldn't handle it. And I'm not convinced that's true. I, I think it's more like what you were saying, which is he looked great in that set tactic, that set system. And the minute he was asked perhaps to do something different, he, he struggled. Yeah, possibly. I think that's quite a good example. I think I remember Shinon at Southampton under Pochettino, yeah. as you said. And yeah. I was being a Spurs fan myself, obviously. I was really keen for Tottenham to get him, actually, when Pochettino joined. Yeah, me too. Joined. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, 
and you know, there's, they, it'll be unfair for me to to point reasons. There's so many. Oh, no, of course, why, yeah. And obviously, it's it's an incredibly difficult thing to maintain performance levels yeah. in a top league for so long. Um, so you know, but yeah, I I do think that a lot of it is down to because you know players they they're comfortable in certain systems, certain managers, certain clubs, and they do struggle. Yeah. elsewhere or you know but that's that's always been the case i just think that you know there's always been those examples in football and there always will be there'll always be outliers yeah. there'll always be people that go against the rule but i just think that more today than before you're seeing that situation arise where players aren't as adaptable and they're very specifically coached and trained to play a certain way in a certain system and I think that's just the way modern football is at the moment. Do you do you feel that that's perhaps because, and I, I know this is a far larger question, but, you know, football has changed over the years. But one of the biggest factors, I think, is that football's gone from being a sport uh, to a business to now being a multi-billion pound business where results are everything. And do you, do you feel that perhaps that's because of the pressure that's now put on to the, the clubs, the management the players for results that it's less about you know playing with style or less about everything it's just we must not lose therefore you must do this do you, do you feel it's that sort of pressure or do you just think it's like a coaching trend that perhaps will go full circle at some point i think it's a bit of both i think it's a coaching trend um yeah. but also it's obviously i think a lot of it is results driven you know players overcoach or not overcoach but players are so specifically coached nowadays yeah. to take away any as many you know tangibles as possible to get a result. Yeah. You know, if you if you allow a player freedom to sort of like express themselves and play the game as they feel, then there's a lot of tangibles there that can go wrong, for example, does the player yeah. show up? Whereas if you almost like tell the player what to do in different situations and make it very, very structured you know, there's less tangibles for that to go wrong, if that makes sense. Yeah, that um, does. So, you know, you're, you're, the, man, the manager's thinking, obviously, more likely to get the results. Now, I do think it can go back the other way because what you'll find is, you know, the best way to counteract, assist, systems are designed to counteract each other. Yeah. Very difficult to stop a maverick such who can go off the cuff. Um, yeah. So I think what you're seeing more and more as football goes and progresses, as it always does and goes in cycles, is that as these systems begin to counteract each other, managers yeah. are then going to look at for that one that special player that can yeah. do something outside the box or do something yeah. you know that a system can't really counter for. So yeah. I think those players will come back into the game slowly, slowly. You could argue that they kind of already are, and there yeah. always will be those players. You know, there always will be the individual talents. I just think there's less of them, but. Hopefully they can start to come back. We'll see. Um, yeah. It might be a while yet, but I think it's both. I think a lot of it is, you know, with the way coaching is nowadays. Yeah. And a lot of it is obviously um, due to, you know, how vital it is to get results. Yeah. I mean, it's always been obviously important to get results. But as you said, the the financial implications yeah. now are insane for players yeah, they and managers really are. and clubs. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's, you know, both basically, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, my, my background myself, I mean, I, I, I played rugby. I, I was a massive football fan. Obviously, I always have been, but, but my rugby was sort of more the game I was able to play. And I, I went through an academy system for rugby to, to a professional level. Mm. And one of the things, and this, this is a fair few years ago now, but one of the things you just mentioned about overcoaching, and it's one of the things that always stuck in my mind because I once I finished playing rugby through injury, I, I actually went through and got all my coaching certificates um, all the way through so I could coach at youth level. And one of the things that it stuck with me from where I was and the sort of difference I noticed, because when I came through rugby, not long term professional, and obviously rugby was then looking at football as kind of its blueprint of, you know, OK, we've only just turned professional. Let's look at football and try and learn from their mistakes and, and also learn from them, you know, well, the way we build this going mm. forward. But the, the coaching side of things became really stale. It became very much results driven. So when I was being coached, it was skill driven. You know, you, you had to learn to do different things in different positions on the pitch. But it was more about building up your skill set 
And therefore, if you are a better player, you'll be able to fit in any sort of system going forward. But by the time I'd finished doing my coaching certificates, it was about results. And we were literally expected to tell players, right, in minute five, if this happens, this is what you do. In minute 10, if this is the score, this is what you do. To the point that, you know, they pretty much could have written down on their hands, you know, okay, what's going on now, right? This has happened. I need to do this. Mm. Yeah, like you said, we were basically being told to coach them like robots. You know, mm. like it was like a game of football manager, you know, <laughs> I might yeah, have had yeah. a joystick. It, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was bizarre. And I kind of moved away from it because I was like, oh, you know, this is not what I wanted to do. This is not how I wanted to be. And so when you were talking about that with football, it kind of resonated with me a little bit that it, it, it sounds very similar, which is almost like, you know, right. This is what you have to go out there to do. This is all the different scenarios that could happen in the game. And when, if this scenario happens, this is what you do. And I, I always believe in that the best teams or, or the best players are the ones that can sense what's going on in a game, make an adjustment themselves. Um, but, you know, like you just said, they, they seem to be fewer or far between at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I think that I personally believe you can do both. We, yeah. you know, I'm not saying we're right. We do coach players, obviously, around well to... We have a different kind of proviso to clubs, obviously, and a different requirement. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, but, you know, so... And I am sympathetic towards a lot of clubs. It's very, very difficult. You've got a lot of players, there's a lot of pressure, and there are some phenomenal coaches and some phenomenal clubs out there. I'm just looking at it more in terms of, like, a broader scale in yeah. terms of what we're seeing nowadays. But I do think it can be done. You know, we, we the director, Richard, has a really good relation with Palmeiras. Um, yeah. And... He's got them invited to the Premier League Academy tournaments in the last okay. three years running, which is a really yeah. prestigious tournament in the UK. Yeah, I was very lucky enough to go to the, to be part of the staff on the last one with Palmeiras, yeah. and watching them train and play for you know five days was, you know, they were outstanding, and they they done what you know I think can be done. The the players had a system and a structure to adhere to, but. They were so creative, the players, and they were allowed for individualism in that. And they yeah. were so intense, so direct, so, you know, they can, you can do both yeah. to produce a footballer because at the end of the day, it is a business and the objective of academies isn't to produce teams, it's to produce players. Yeah, Whether yeah, exactly. that's for your club or for other clubs, obviously, to have yeah. a professional career. Um, you know, obviously, a big proviso for academies is to... You know, they know they're not going to produce all the players for the first team, but no. producing professional footballers is paramount that, you know, that they can and get finance for, etc. And even just, you know, to do a good job. Um, so I think you can do both. I think it's, it's difficult. It is difficult. I'm not saying it's easy, but no. I do believe to produce better footballers and more, uh, more players are adaptable and can think for themselves, etc., I think that you need to give players a certain air of freedom to express yeah. themselves within a structure. Yeah, no, well, I agree with you. Um, mate, obviously, we are both Spurs fans, uh, and this mm. is the Spurs News Podcast, so yeah. to, to, to bring us back to sort of a, a Spurs focus, if you like, um, what I've got, uh, I've just written down some notes before we spoke, so I knew me and you would probably go off on a tangent talking about <laughs> the, what we just did, um, yeah. but I wanted to try and just get your opinion on a few things, if that's okay. I want to open it up, and it is a broad one, but I just want to get your opinion on the Pochettino years. You know, he was with the club for five and a bit years. What were your thoughts on his time with the club? he done an incredible job, an incredible job, obviously. I yeah. think it's going to be underestimated how much of a dire situation he came into. Agreed. And within two years, he basically turned Tottenham into title challengers. Yes, you could say the other clubs had a drop-off, but he's yeah. done that with a two-string budget. He had to clear off a lot of players. Yeah. And, you know, not rely... Well, he did rely on a lot of players that came through the academy. But he, he gave did, them a yeah. chance because he had to. Um, and built on it from then. Um, he was a phenomenal manager, phenomenal coach. The reason why it turned the way it did is because I believe it got stale and it got too much. Yeah. And there wasn't enough change at the club. If you look at... Ferguson, for example, the reason why he maintained his performance levels is there was constant freshening up, constant, yeah. even with the coaching staff. And yeah. 
this season happened because of the two years, sorry, the yeah. two summer win, the two transfer windows yeah. where Spurs didn't sign a player. And before that, the squad hadn't really changed that much then anyway. Mm-hmm. So for quite a while now, the players and the staff had been exactly the same. And yeah. it's such a demanding environment, a professional environment, especially a, a club that's looking to to push over the line and become champions and winners. And he's quite an intense manager anyway, very is, demanding. Yeah. So eventually, it's going. To, if nothing changes, it's going to come to the conclusion that it did. Yeah. And unfortunately, whether you like it or not, you can't change a raft of plays. You just can't. So yeah. at the end of the day, the only thing that could have happened was Pochettino leaving. But I don't yeah. think it needed to get into that situation. No, had no, I agree. Correct squad planning and recruitment, etc., been put in place the years prior. Now I'm not saying that Pochettino's blameless with that. No, you know, no, of I course think, not. You know, a director of football was needed before. I know I've, I've, whether it's true or not. I've heard he's not very keen to work with one. Yeah. Um, so I do think that you know the club as a whole is to blame for the for the kind of mess they put themselves in, and it didn't need to turn out like that. But that's the way it is, and now they're in a transition period right now, and yeah. we'll see how it goes. Well, yeah, I mean, I, you're the same as me. I mean, I, I, you've mirrored exactly my thinking on it as well. It was for me as a Spurs fan, the, the two seasons. So forgetting his first season with the club, but then his next season and the one that followed were probably the best two seasons as a Spurs fan I've, yeah. I've had. Um, ju- just from watching us, you know, the sheer enjoyment of the way we played. But yeah. one of the things that was so great about that team for those two years for me was like the pressing the the kind of hunger to to get the ball to have the ball and how quickly they use it the intensity of the team why do you why do you think it dropped off so badly do you think it's because the players got tired of it or just that you know like you said there wasn't refreshment coming in It, it just seemed like for for a little while, I thought, oh, perhaps the players are fatigued and he's decided to step it back. But then he would constantly say, no, I don't know why we're not doing it. And, you know, for the next couple of years, it was like a real kind of decline. Why do you think that stopped? Because that was a real hallmark of why we were so good for those two years. I think it's a bit of everything. I think it is mostly that the players just couldn't take any more of the same system without any, you know, freshening up. And yeah. Injuries played a part as well. So it's very, very yeah. difficult it, it's, to maintain that level of pressing and intensity for the duration of the season yeah. with the same kind of plays. It's almost impossible. Um, yeah. And it's so, so demanding. So I think fatigue would have been to do with it. I think obviously, you know, injuries would have been to do with it. The squad not being freshened up and... Yeah, just going a bit stale. I think it would to 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 keep that level of intensity with the same players for so long, with injuries and so many cup competitions and games. Yeah. It's, you're asking for something that's just not going to be done. So I think yeah. it's a bit of I think it's a factor of different things. I think had the squad have been freshened up and you know been built correctly and planned for for the future, then you could maybe see that uh, maintain those levels. It's still incredibly difficult to maintain it game on game. Um, yeah. which is why it's really important to have a sizable squad yeah. um, but you know I think it's a big no, I think it's a number of factors to be honest okay alright um, obviously um, you know everyone talks about Pochettino because he's been our most recent manager he, he has gone now so we do as a club do need to move on and look forward mm-hmm. Jose's in the hot seat now Um Jose Mourinho is not a guy I would have immediately screened for. You know, if there was a managerial vacancy, I've got to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. Not not a manager I wanted. But as a manager, I've respected ever since he first comes to my attention at FC Porto. Uh, and he's the kind of manager that you have to respect. The, the, the CV demands it, you know. He, yeah. He's done incredible things. What are your thoughts? First of all, what was your initial reaction to his appointment? Uh, what are your thoughts on how he is? Because, of course, there because he's such a a star in his own right, there's always going to be a real press narrative following him. And the press narrative that's followed him to Tottenham is that he's done, he's finished, he's washed up. I'm not buying that personally. But no. yeah, so what's your initial thought? What was your initial reaction? And then what are your thoughts on Jose at Spurs? I was delighted. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, delighted because obviously I wasn't delighted that it worked out the way he no, did. No, I, I understand. I'd love Pochettino yeah. to, you know, stayed and been successful, but 
you know, he did have to go with everything that happened. Yeah. Um, but to replace Bogettino, someone that was so adored by the clubs and fans, you'd have to bring in someone that yeah. can cope with that level of emotion. And yep. I think Mourinho is probably the best there is at that. Yeah, um, true. But also, yeah. you know, where I was saying earlier that players and clubs nowadays are looking for systems. And you could say that fans have been sucker punched into that. It's not sucker punch, but you could say that fans are like that nowadays as well. They're yeah. so ingrained into the philosophy managers that actually, the, you know, they're looking for managers that, you know, you know, again, put their philosophy in place and play a certain style of football, etc. and have yeah. a project. Well, Spurs had a project and it reached its end. So, you know, why do you want another project manager and it takes time to get there? And I think that because, you know, a lot of the you know, clout nowadays is for managers that are ph philosophical, for want of a better word. But yeah. managers like Mourinho seem to get ignored for some reason or they're not ignored, but they seem to get insulted in terms of, you know, labelled as out of date or out of touch yeah, because yeah. they're not labelled as these, you know, philosophical managers. And I, I think it's an absolute nonsense, to be honest. Um, you know, Mourinho has been successful everywhere he's gone. He was a success at Man United. He won trophies yeah, and he finished second. And he's done by far the best job out of any manager there since Fergie. Yeah. Yes, he, you know, it could have gone better for him in the end. Um, I'm not saying that he couldn't have done. But to say he's out of date or out of touch, I don't think is true. No. I think he's proven to be one of the most or the most adaptable manager this century. He adapts to every club he goes to and every set of players he has. And... I think he's going to be a resounding success. I really, really, well, he's going to have to see how the summer goes. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. if he's given the tools to, that he needs, I think he'll be a success. And I think he's still a phenomenal manager. Um, um, yeah. With, with, with the mention of tools that he needs, mm. knowing the club as we do, knowing the ownership mm -hmm, yeah. of the club as we do, we, we know that they're not going to say to him, right, open checkbook, tell us the five players that brings us back to where we are. We know that's not going to happen. So keeping in mind, and you don't have to name players here, but if you were to keep in mind it, just minor adjustments that would really improve us again, what do you think the squad needs? I think it needs a holding midfielder that yeah. you know, can cover correctly. I would arguably say you know, a couple of new fullbacks. Yeah. And I think the issue is that because of the years of not adapting to the, of not um, freshening up the squad, yep. you're now, now in a situation <laughs> of playing catch up and it's going yeah, to be for another couple of windows yet. So, yeah. you know, you're going to have to be really specific with what you need. You can't change it all at once. No. But I would say for this summer, look at getting a hold of midfielder and, you know, maybe a couple of fullbacks and a centre back yeah. is the most crucial aspect right now. Um, it's, it's interesting you mentioned centre back. Um, I, I agree with you, fullback. So I agree with you, holding midfielder. Definitely, the centre back thing kind of leads into the next thing I was going to talk about, which is Eric Dyer. Um, Eric Dyer is a player that arrived at the club as a young central defender, uh, trained in Portugal uh, from near me, actually, in Cheltenham. Okay. Um, so he had a very different sort of style of academy football. Gifted, he arrived, got immediately thrown in at right back, uh, did yeah. well, so showed his adaptability right at the start. And then in those two very successful seasons I was talking about, he really made a name for himself in a defensive holding midfield. Mm. Uh, him and Wanyama, for example, interchanging, etc., and really were great those two years. Uh, injury and obviously a very serious illness, which, you know, thankfully and hopefully he's, he's, you know, behind him now, and it's now just about fitness. But he's talked about how he wants to be a central defender now, and Mourinho clearly is a, a fan of him personally. Um, do you think that he has what it takes to, to adapt and become a good, solid central defender? And therefore, do we need to buy a new one, given that Toby's still there, uh, Tenganga's come through? Or or do you think that perhaps it just really needs freshening up with a new player as well? I've always been a big fan of Eric Dyer, to be honest. Um, yeah. I think that due to his unfortunate issues, you know, of illness and injury, yeah. I think that actually he's kind of hampered his mobility and agreed. He yeah. was never the most agile of players, but it's made it, you know, more prominent that that is a bit of a weakness. Yeah. And the issue is 
football is what if it's one thing, it's getting more technical and more physical. Yeah. Um, you know, and very, very intense. And it's if you're a player nowadays that struggles to turn and move and cover ground quickly and sharply, then you're gonna struggle. So you know, it's gonna be yeah. I'm a massive fan of diet. If he can get if he can get his mobility back and he can cover ground and turn you know, it's never been a strong yeah. point, but if it's, it can make it so it's not a weakness, then I believe he can be a really good centre-back. I really do. Yep. But it's, you know, we'll have to see if he can get to that stage. I really hope he can. Yeah, um, me too. But, you know, it's one of those where it would be a risk to not buy a centre-back, but, mm. you know, that's part for me, a part of being a, a coach and a manager is coaching with what you've got, managing what yeah. you've got, you know. You've got to, these are all phenomenal footballers. They're playing for Tottenham Hotspur in the Premier League. They're not bad. They're really, really yeah, good at what yeah. they do. Yeah. So, you know, part of being a coach and a manager is also, yes, recruitment um, or, you know, working with new players that come in, but, you know, also working with what you've got. So it wouldn't be a disaster. I don't think it's the most prominent position that needs to no. be addressed, but I would say that it's arguably a position that does. But if it doesn't, then you could still say they've got some good centre-backs there. It's very good centre-backs. Yeah. And they're going to have to work with them. And hopefully Dyer can be that player well, again. My, my, my thinking, and, and perhaps you could correct me in my thinking, is if the centre-backs had better protection from midfield in, a holding midfielder who knows his role and is good at that role, and also full-backs who positionally know how to fend, he says, screaming, as well as offering the team more going for you know more dynamic fullbacks all of a sudden those central defenders we see as a weakness right now could look a lot better again do you think that's fair yeah definitely and Mourinho does like you know his teams to have good cover be yeah positionally secure which actually guys is kind of against a lot of the time in terms of the current set of players I think the yeah, current set exactly, of players yeah. are very very dynamic yeah um, very aggressive they suit pressing high up the pitch yeah. Um, which can leave space on transition. So I think that Spurs will actually need defenders that are very good coping with, you know, 1v1s and transitions and yeah. fast-paced breaks, unless Mourinho does get the players he wants to become more positionally secure and cover yeah. space better. So it's going to be an interesting summer with regards to recruitment yeah. and see what they do. Um, you know, but you could argue that the, definitely the current crop of centre-backs they are left exposed quite often they, they are, and yeah. that's they're not at, at the moment maybe you could say that Sanchez and Tanganga can cope with 1v1s and quick pace transitions yeah. um, the other centre-backs can struggle with that at the moment you know yeah. Toby and Jan have been the best centre-back partnership in my lifetime at Spurs yeah. and phenomenal players and they still are phenomenal players in their own outright but where they're ageing you know it can be a struggle for yeah. them to cope with fast-paced transitions I was and turning say, quickly and you know against you, teams that do hit you quickly in the open space so yeah you know I think that in the summer will Mourinho will look to either will look to buy a defensive midfielder to make us more positionally secure off the yeah. ball but also you could say that you know you need defenders that can now cope with 1v1 and transitions yeah no okay no well no that's good um Obviously, we're talking about the the sort of summer and obviously transfers and things like that. One of the things that the club has always tried to do and, and wants to continue doing is develop their own players, develop players that are going to come through the academy, like Tanganga currently, who is pushing for that first team place. Um, a big part of that's obviously been John McDermott, who's now leaving the club. Um, I don't know if you've ever had any interactions with John, but just what's your opinion on John and obviously him departing? Uh, you know, he's going to leave quite a big hole. Yeah, um, I've met John. John is a, what I like about he doesn't suffer fools. Um, <laughs> no, no in, in a really good way. He's, yeah. he's very, yeah. very demanding. All plays that you spoke to, speak to that have been under his tutelage can't speak highly enough of him. And I think yeah. that says it all, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I haven't met him. I've only met him a few times. Um, I can't profess to have worked with him or know exactly how he works. No. But as I said, if you look at the amount of players that have spoken really highly about him, even the ones that didn't yeah. quite make it at Spurs. So, you know, well, we... Well, yeah, I was I was about to say one of the biggest yeah, indictments, first-hand accounts I always have, is that he was always interested in the individual becoming a good football player over 
the academy team winning an academy tournament, if that makes sense. His yeah. focus was always on that, and that seemed to really uh, stand him a little bit apart from perhaps some other players. And that's, I think, why, like, I remember uh, Alex Pritchard. Remember Alex Pritchard? He, yeah, he, yeah. Couldn't, he couldn't stop speaking highly enough about him, um, just just on, on the way he, he worked with him and the way he worked with players individually. Mm. Yeah. And we, we the director, Richard, has worked with Kane Vincent Young, um, yeah. For those unaware, he's a professional Ipswich. He's worked with Kane since he was 13 years old, Richard. Mm. And he got released by Tottenham at 18 years old. Um, he then went and joined Colchester, played a lot of first-team football and got a move to Ipswich. And I believe will be back in the Premier League. But yeah. speaking to him um, a few weeks ago, Kane, and he couldn't speak highly enough of John. And yeah. even though he got released by Tottenham at 18, he couldn't yeah. speak highly enough of John. And as I said, I think that's... Uh, testament uh, yeah. to John and the work he'd done and the influence he had at the club. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about obviously the summer recruitment. Filling that position in the summer is almost as equally as important to the club long term. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, I know they've said, you know, the, the search has begun. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what comes with that because mm. it, it, the just, just the generation of footballers that came through under John, you know, there's so many names there. Um, you you want to kind of keep that you you want to try and keep that coming through, but at the same time, like you said about coaching and and you know the first team refreshing, we could look at it as kind of a positive and kind of look at it as a possible refresh for the academy as well, perhaps. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. you know, there's there's no reason why it can't. Um, foot, you know, football moves on, people move on, yeah. and you have to be able to adapt to that. And let's see yeah. if the club. You know rec- how what direction the academy system is going to go in. There's certainly a lot of talented players coming through at Tottenham at the moment, yeah. um, from the young age groups upwards. So we'll see the direction they're going to head in. It's going to be interesting. Um, there's a lot of good people at the club. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who they bring in and the direction they're going to take it in. Yeah, yeah. Um, what one of the the other questions? Um, so uh, my co-host on the podcast normally Matt. Um, we were chatting because I, I obviously said I was going to be speaking to you, uh, and he said to me, "Could could you ask him a question for me just to get his opinion?" Basically, the perception and reality thing. Um, so basically, the perception was as fans, Pochettino's training was super intense, double sessions. All of the players, you know, were kind of dropping from it initially. You know, really, really intense training. Yeah. And the perception is that Jose isn't that as intense. You know, his training is not quite as severe. And in fact, a lot of coaches weren't as big as Pochettino in that regard. Is that the is that the reality? Is that just a perception? I mean, uh, I mean, do you know, or, you know, in your opinion? Because obviously, we looked at the team under Pochettino towards the end, and we all looked at him like those players look like they're running in mud. You know, they look fatigued, all of <laughs> them. Uh, but that's kind of continued. You know, it's like it's like it's not whether that's just over season after season after season. They've now reached a point where they are genuinely fatigued (laughs) or or perhaps Jose is training them just as hard as Pochettino did. You know, so so just, yeah, perception and reality. What's kind of your opinion on that? No, that is the reality. Um, I do know that Pochettino's sessions were so intense throughout his time there. Um, there was a lot of gym work as well. And, you know, they, the players had to live at such a high level of intensity, even in training. And yeah, Mourinho's okay. come in and the training has been a lot more relaxed. Um, it's had yeah. to change it. Um, you know, I can't profess to know what Mourinho's training firsthand has been like at other clubs, but I do know it has been a more relaxed nature in terms of the drop-off. In int- not a drop-off, but, you know, it's been no, more relaxed what you mean. in terms yeah. of the intensity compared to what Pochettino has. So, no, that, that is the reality. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's been a really weird season. There's been a ton of injuries. You could say the potatoes are still fatigued, etc. Yeah. Um, and it's been very, very difficult. Mourinho's been given a very, very tough hand to deal with. Um, I agree. Yeah, I agree. at, At the start of his Tottenham career, with so many injuries and coming into a situation where the club needed badly freshening up, freshening up. Sorry. So. You know, that is the reality of what the sessions are like. Um, yeah. We'll see how it, you know, goes along in the future. Because as we said, players players do need to adapt. Players do like change, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. they do need freshening up. Yeah. So, you know, it could, be in a, it could be in two years' time, at the end of Jose's tenure, when the players and the club need another manager who's going to bring back the intensity into the sessions. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, you know, football goes in cycles. And, you know, if it's too much of the same for too long, as we spoke yeah. about earlier, it can become tiresome for players and clubs and fans alike and the staff, yeah. obviously. So, well, obviously, maybe not the fans, but definitely the people no, involved no. with the day-to-day running <clears throat> of the club. So, yeah. you know, it's just a change of style and clubs do need to, you know, adapt and yeah. freshen up. And this is part of what they're doing right now at Tottenham and we'll see if it works. Okay. Um, just a couple of quick fire things then, sort of to, to wrap us up at the end. The Amazon documentary, are you looking forward <laughs> to it or are you dreading oh, it? It's going to win an Oscar, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you, you think so, based on Amazon this. have yeah. struck gold, haven't they, with this uh, one? God, if, yeah. if they ever approach any Premier League team again, they should just go, no, nope, get out. <laughs> yeah, no point, yeah. Literally, yeah. they've absolutely struck gold with what's happened this year. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting. Um, that's, that's for certain. <laughs> Whether I'm yeah. looking forward to it or not, I'm not too sure no, I can right. say that, but, you know, it will be interesting. It sounds like you're the same as me, which is almost like when you're driving along and you see there's an accident the other side of the road, you're like, I know <laughs> I shouldn't look, yeah, but yeah, every yeah. part of your body wants to crane your neck. Yeah, to see yeah I'll, def- I'll definitely be watching it. I think every yeah. Spurs fan will be tuning in, yeah. but I think they'll be tuning in with... Uh, they're hiding on the, the sofa. Yeah. Hiding on the sofa, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I oh, know. Yep, no, totally with you. Um, if you were to sign one striker to join the side to work, obviously, with Kane and being around Kane, provide competition, is there a player out there you think that we could possibly get? Um, I have suggested, and this is a bit off the cuff, but I'm a massive fan yeah. of Kevin Volland at Bayer Leverkusen. Oh, okay. I think he's, yeah. I think he's um, a player that would really suit what this current crop of players are. He can play up front on his own. He can yep. play out wide in a wide forward. He can play with Kane and off of Kane. Yep. And I think it's important to sign a striker that can play with Kane uh, as yeah, well as well, instead yeah. of him. Yeah. Um, I don't think we should sign a striker that can, you know, it's either Kane or him. Yeah, um, I agree. You know, because players do want to, because then you're, because then you're really, um, you're reducing the number of options that you can possibly look at because, yep. And certainly the quality, because a top-level striker is not going to want to play second fiddle constantly. They're going to want to have decent game time. Agreed, Unless, yeah. so, you know, signing a striker that could play with Kane as well as on his own, I think is paramount. And I think Volland is actually an interesting option that hasn't really been yeah. discussed, but I think should be looked at. I'm a big fan of his. Yeah, he would be, because, I mean, it almost it almost matched Sonny, who, of course, I think we got... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, because Sonny can play and is capable of playing the, the nine role, if you like. Mm-hmm. But I always think he, he looks better from cutting in from the wide position. And yeah. so having both of them in the squad, two players like that would provide genuine competition and rotation available for Kane, but yeah. also enable all three of them to start a game, you know, if all three of them are on form. So, yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I, I agree with that. Um Mate, I, I don't think we can wrap the podcast really without talking about the current situation and getting your opinion on that. I mean, the coronavirus worldwide pandemic is just such an insane thing that's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is like something out of a movie. Um, yeah. Well, obviously, focusing on football for a moment, there's the debate right now, what are they going to do with the season? If you were... You know, in Lord in charge of the Football Association in hmm. Premier League, what do you think you'd do with the season? Poor. Well, to be honest, it's a question I'm going to struggle to answer. To be honest, <laughs> this this is a situation that's yeah. just unheard of, and yeah. you know, there's people that are more, um, you know, that are better versed to answer that than I am. That are yeah. more involved in the goings on and more aware of you know the intricacies of it all. Um, either way, it's there's going to be negatives is, and negative to any situation. It's, it's, not, a, it's a massive no-win scenario. It's a no-win scenario, yeah. I mean, you, you, you void it, you create so much financial turmoil across yeah. every professional league. I mean, if you look yeah. now, I think the non-league from Tier 5 of non-league down has been voided. And they're yeah. already so these are clubs that are amateur level yeah. are are making legal challenges. So could you imagine if it got voided and a team's being you know couldn't get like Leeds United for example are put everything in to get in promotion the season's void. I mean imagine the legal challenge they'd make. Yeah. Um, but then at the same time if you don't void it, there's so many arguments about what happened. You, know, you play a game behind closed doors. Is that fair on the team that? 
you know, had a full crowd behind them the week before and now they don't. You know, is it fair that a team plays Tottenham if it hadn't have been cancelled without mm. Kane, Son, you know, all of these players that now come back? <laughs> it's a real mess. <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, there's no... Uh, ideal isn't a word that belongs in this conversation, no, but not at all, I no. think that if it would be at all possible, if hopefully this thing, you know, in due time, not too long, hopefully begins to... You know, we begin yeah. to adapt to it as as a world. Yeah. And if it would be at all possible to somehow squeeze in the fixtures during a short period of time, even behind closed doors, I think that would be the scenario that you would be yeah. the most ideal in a far Palatable. from ideal situation. Yeah. Yeah. Even if, you know, I, think, I heard it was suggested that, you know, you could have a few stadiums that are being used and, you know, a couple of games a day at that same stadium, yeah. Yeah. you know, and just try to cram it in. Uh, yeah. Because, as you said, the implications of not finishing a season yeah, are, huge. Um, are just huge financially, long, legal, you know, the legality of it, um, the fairness of it. I know, you know, fairness isn't really a conversation that can be had right now because, no. you know, it's not fair. But at the end of the day, it's a global pandemic and there's more important things exactly, in football. Yeah. But it's a far from ideal situation. Obviously, it's, it's unheard of. And I guess the only message is to, for people to stay at home, stay safe and... Yeah. See where we go from it. To be honest, it's it's, yep. a, it's a horrible situation, but you know it's important to keep positive. For me personally, I'm in a lucky position. You know, I've been told to sit on the sofa and watch Netflix for a month or <laughs> however long. You know, it's, there's yeah. worse things to have happened. So yeah, you know, I think you've got to try and keep positive in it and stay sensible. And and with regards to football, I guess again, there's people that are far better equipped to answer those questions than me. I'm afraid, but. Yep. I think in an ideal situation in or ideally in a far from ideal situation is that you do somehow play the season out, but we'll see if that's going to be possible or not. No, I'm with you, mate. No, I completely agree. Sentiments shared. Uh, everyone stay home, stay safe. And, that, yeah. and that's the way, the way it needs to be. Football mm. secondary. Uh, but once yeah. things start to clear up, that debate is going to kick off. <laughs> well, how good is it going to be when yeah. football does come yeah. along? Again? How, how, yeah. how lucky well, are we going to be? Yeah. Yeah, club football in the summer potentially. This could be a, yeah, this yeah, could it's be gonna feel pretty good when it all gets back to normal. So yeah, 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 keep positive and we'll all be okay. Yeah, that's right, mate. Um, Harry, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it, mate. It's been a great chat. Hopefully, we can do it again in the future. Uh, but yeah, you take care. No, you too, mate. I had a great time. Thank you for having me on. Hopefully, yeah, uh, we'll do it soon. Thank you for listening to the Spurs News Podcast. Be sure to join over 50,000 other Spurs fans on our Facebook page at Spurs News. Until next time, come on, you Spurs. And remember, to dare is to do.